Wondery Plus subscribers can listen to CBS News Roundup ad-free right now. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. This is the CBS News Weekend Roundup. Coming up, investors are deeply worried as the turmoil continues in the banking sector despite assurances from the government. Our banking system is sound. An arrest warrant is issued for Russian President Putin amid the war in Ukraine. We must continue to document Russia's war crimes. In the Kaleidoscope with Allison Key's segment, CBS's Michelle Miller discusses her new book, Belonging, and her search for the truth. Part of my reckoning, part of my evolution, part of my belonging is understanding what I come from. I'm Allison Keyes in the Washington Bureau. More fallout from the failure of two large banks in the nation, including Silicon Valley Bank, as 11 of the nation's biggest financial institutions announce a rescue plan worth tens of billions for First Republic Bank. It is one of the largest regional banks in the U.S., and it and others have seen stock prices drop. There have been international concerns as well. This is a Federal Reserve is set to meet next week and may raise interest rates. We turned to CBS News business analyst Jill Schlesinger to break it down. Let's just decide together that each of the incidents that I'm going to tell you about is really unrelated but related. And and so the problems at Silicon Valley Bank, Signature, First Republic, Credit Suisse, there are unique circumstances to each of these institutions. But here's the broader issue. When you have the Federal Reserve and other global central banks keeping interest rates really low for a really long time, it can actually keep keep growth moving, but it can also lead to a lot of risk taking. That's both with individuals, with businesses, and it also can create inflation. So think about, just go back in time and say to yourself, oh yeah, During the pandemic, I remember the Fed had rates down at zero. Everyone was scared. We were home. There was a lot of money. And when I got my stimulus check, I put it into, I didn't put it into a bank account because there was no money that I could earn there. Maybe I was, um, maybe I was going to go buy some crypto or maybe I was going to buy a meme stock. But people really took big flyers because the rates on their deposits were so low. And that's all well and good. You know, like that can go on for a little while when rates are really low, but as soon as interest rates start to rise, then all of a sudden those risks can come back and haunt you. And essentially that's exactly what happened. So, you know, think of it as if you are, um, you know, if you are an individual and you take a dopey bet and it blows up, you're like, oh, I lost that $1,400 stimulus check. That's a bummer. But if you're a big bank and you took a bet, and it blows up, you're putting your entire depository base and your company on the line. So two more quick questions. Does this mean that people should go back to like stuffing money in their mattresses again or what? No, listen, the vast majority of Americans do not have more than $250,000 in an account. In fact, just a few weeks ago, we got all the reports out that said the savings rate is really low, that Americans, mo- you know, 40% of Americans don't have $1,000 on hand if a, an emergency were to come up. So, you know, we were worried about three weeks ago or four weeks ago that Americans don't have enough savings. Now, if you have more than $250,000 in an account, yeah, you know, you're rich, you have money. And there is an issue because that is beyond FDIC insurance. But if you have $250,000 or less in an account, even if your bank were to fail, as long as they have FDIC insurance, you are protected. So no mattress stuffing. (laughs) Okay. Uh, President Biden Friday 
actually called on Congress to allow regulators to impose tougher penalties on the executives of failed banks. But would that have stopped all of this? No. I mean, listen, I don't know. Maybe they did something that was actually really bad. But if they just made bad decisions, people do that all the time. You know, think of it this way. You know how Mark Zuckerberg just made the announcement of the second round of meta layoffs, right? Right. It's sort of like a similar kind of decision process. It just didn't involve banking, right? Think of it like Facebook was growing really fast. And in the pandemic, they added thousands and thousands and thousands of workers thinking that their growth would be continuing into the future, right? And then they said, whoops, we had we made a mistake. Our growth really did slow down. The economy slowed down. Our growth slowed down. And that means that we have to let people go. Well, if you're Silicon Valley Bank, you made sort of a similar bet. CBS News business analyst Jill Schlesinger. The Biden administration has issued an ultimatum to TikTok to part ways with its Chinese-owned parent company or face a nationwide ban over national security concerns. But is the general public on board with that? CBS's Anna Werner. New calls for a crackdown on TikTok. National Security Council spokesman John Kirby on the takeout with Major Garrett. We, we have national security concerns over TikTok and the way the people that run that app conduct themselves and the capabilities inside that app. The company confirms the Biden administration is threatening to ban the app in the U.S. unless its Chinese owners sell their stakes in the company. One top concern identified by U.S. officials and members of Congress, the potential for China's government to use Americans' data to further a political agenda. Cybersecurity expert Zach Doffman. So what TikTok could do is it could start to understand behaviors, attitudes, likelihood to vote in a particular direction based on what it sees en masse in a region, and then it could be used to push a particular viewpoint. A TikTok spokesperson said the company is disappointed with the administration's threat and said TikTok has been working on solutions, including moving U.S. user data to cloud servers in the U.S. In a new interview, TikTok CEO told The Wall Street Journal it won't matter what the Chinese law or any law says because we're taking U.S. user data and we're putting it out of their reach. Another consideration for the administration, Doffman says, an all-out ban might be a tough sell. The common user, the average user... Um, it's just not clear cut. I don't think people are buying into the threat. Members of Congress will be able to ask TikTok CEO questions themselves next week when he testifies before a House committee. Anna Warner, CBS News, New York. You know how your parents are always talking about how movie tickets were just three bucks in the 1980s, but you could buy a beer then, or how coffee used to be just 50 cents? It turns out that sort of wistful thinking is a thing now. There's a dog searching hard for a bone in the yard while the milkman is tingling with his tray. Remember the good old days when milk was 80 or 90 cents a gallon? Inflation has triggered price nostalgia. But Professor Francesco Dacunto at Georgetown's McDonough School of Business says it's not always accurate. The majority U.S. individuals actually think they paid less than what they did. So it's all a mind game. Yeah, in large part, it is a memory game. His research which finds the golden age of affordability might not have existed. They tend to see a difference in the price of a simple good like milk and then feel like all prices have actually increased substantially more than what they have. Deborah Rodriguez, CBS News. Coming up, the abortion rights battle heats up. There has to be some kind of check on the FDA. That's next on the CBS News Weekend Roundup. Sound the gifting panic alarm. We've all been there. You need to find the perfect gift. You have absolutely zero ideas and you don't know where to start. Relax. Now you can use gift mode on Etsy. Gift mode takes the stress out of gifting so you can find the perfect item for anyone and any occasion. Just answer a few short questions about who you're shopping for and what they like, and Gift Mode gives you curated gift ideas based on hundreds of personas. Imagine pages of artisan espresso mugs for the coffee connoisseur in your life. Or for the pickleballer, customized paddle covers in every shade imaginable. Etsy's got you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. 
on the CBS News Weekend Roundup. I'm Allison Keyes. The FAA held a long-awaited safety summit this week following a series of near collisions at airports around the nation. But CBS's Chris Van Cleve reports Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg says U.S. aviation remains exceptionally safe. Looking for answers after months of scares in the air. From a disruptive passenger attacking a flight attendant with a spoon to more than two dozen injured in severe turbulence. Delta 1943, cancel takeoff clearance. And a series of at least seven close calls on runways in the last three months alone. The FAA held its first emergency safety summit in 14 years. I think I speak for all of us when I say that, and certainly the traveling public, when I did that these events are concerning. The most recent close call at Washington Reagan last week, where a regional jet taxied across a runway another plane was about to take off on. Boarding takeoff, boarding takeoff, United 2003. These recent incidents must serve as a wake-up call for every single one of us before something more catastrophic occurs. National Transportation Safety Board Chair Jennifer Homendy. We're coming out of the pandemic. We are experiencing a time where we have a lot of new staffing, and that requires training. For these incidents, we have to take a pause. Is the system stretched to its limits? It could be. Certainly it's a concern. Other concerns include increasing FAA funding and the need for more air traffic controllers. Miracle on the Hudson pilot, Captain Sully Sullenberger. Certainly during COVID, the aviation industry was really affected greatly. And so now we're short-staffed, we're playing catch-up, and when the system is under pressure, we're seeing these kinds of incidents pop up as warnings to not try to fly more than we should. The NTSB has made seven safety recommendations aimed at avoiding runway collisions over the past 23 years. So far, none have been fully adopted. That includes an early warning system for air traffic controllers that's been installed at only about 40 U.S. airports. Chris Van Cleve, CBS News, Reagan National Airport, Virginia. There's a legal battle going on right now that some say is the biggest challenge to abortion rights since Roe v. Wade was overturned. A federal judge in Texas heard arguments this week in a case seeking to overturn the FDA approval of a widely used abortion pill and remove it from the market. CBS's Christina Ruffini. Members of the public and press lined up before dawn outside the courthouse. Harper Metcalf was one of a handful of pro-abortion rights demonstrators. Millions of women have lost access to abortion care, um, especially here in Texas. So the access to medication abortion is one of the last options that we have. Federal Judge Matthew Kaczmarek, a Trump appointee, heard from an anti-abortion rights organization that argued the FDA improperly approved mifeprestone, posing a risk to patients. The judge appeared sympathetic in his questioning, asking the group's lawyers if there's precedent for a court to withdraw FDA approval of a drug. The FDA argued the drug is safe and effective, approved up to the 10th week of pregnancy, and has been on the market for more than 20 years. The drug is available by mail, even in states where abortion is illegal. In some ways, this could be a bigger deal than the reversal of Roe v. Wade was, was because it could have ripple effects in every state, not just in states that want to ban abortion. John Sego, president of the Texas Right to Life, says the goal is to protect Americans from unsafe products. Is there a concern that could expand far beyond this issue and have unforeseen ramifications? No, I, I think this is absolutely appropriate. Uh, there has to be some kind of check on the FDA um, and on a pro-abortion administration. The judge says he hopes to issue a ruling in this case as soon as possible. As for safety, two major American medical groups filed briefs in defense of the FDA, saying the drug is safe and effective. Christina Ruffini, CBS News, Amarillo, Texas. New worries over a CDC report finding that the number of American women who died during or right after birth skyrocketed during the pandemic and black women are even more at risk. The U.S. maternal mortality rate is now at its highest point since 1965. Praise the Lord. 23-year-old Selena Martin was thrilled when she found out she was pregnant, but she was also concerned about getting the kind of care she needed. One of my biggest anxieties was... If I have to go to the hospital, like I may not make it. The stakes for pregnant women like Martin are high. Mortality rates among black women are nearly three times higher compared to white women, a sharp increase from previous years. There is certain levels of fear. Kai Lindbergh is an advocate for maternal and infant health. What do those numbers say to you? I think that 
it's contributed to a lot of things. Medical coverage, um, even access to care, like prenatal care. Uh, here in Georgia, as an example, there's counties that don't even have a labor and delivery unit, an OB. I, I mean, that's unconscionable. One thing that could help is having a doula, someone who guides women through the complexities of pregnancy, birth, and postpartum. Martin, a doula herself, has one for her own delivery next month. I think the biggest thing that a doula can do for you is empower you. It's like calling your best friend. That's what we need. We need to know that we're being uplifted and taken seriously. The states with the highest maternal mortality rate tend to be in the South, like here in Georgia. The author of the CDC report told us that she expects these numbers to return to pre-pandemic levels, but health advocates we talked to say that number is still too high. Caitlin Huey-Burns, CBS News, Atlanta. Some think flying is scary enough, but at least you have the comfort of hoping that most things you accidentally leave behind at the airport will end up in the lost and found. But one passenger trying to track down his missing bag found out it could be worse. I was appalled. Keon Brooks watched as a Spirit Airlines gate agent at the airport in New Orleans rifled through his bag pocketing some of the contents while discarding the rest. Brooks accidentally left his carry-on at the ticket counter on February 19th as he was flying home to Los Angeles after attending a funeral. He filed the lost and found claim, but when his bag didn't turn up, he put in a public records request to the airport for security footage at the gate. I had a gut feeling that something went wrong. On the video, you see one spirit worker approach Brooks' bag where he left it. She then takes it behind the counter. Minutes later, after all the passengers on his flight had boarded, she brings the bag over to a nearby seat where she rifles through it. I did notice that she was stuffing some things in her pocket. In addition to his jewelry, Brooks says he also had life-saving medication in his bag. The worker eventually moves over to a trash can. You can see her open one pill bottle and pour out the contents right into the can. The gate agent then throws the bag and the rest of its contents into the trash and casually walks away. My heart just sunk because it's like, for instance, there was a family heirloom in there. Brooks did reach out to Spirit and sent the airline the video, and they refunded the cost of his flight. In a statement to us, Spirit says the contract workers have been suspended by the vendor pending an investigation and that the vendor is expediting compensation for the items in Brooks' bag. Christine Lazar, CBS News, Los Angeles. Coming up, arrest warrants over Russia's invasion of Ukraine and its treatment of children. That's next on the CBS News Weekend Roundup. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. On the CBS News Weekend Roundup. I'm Allison Keyes. Friday, the International Criminal Court in The Hague issued a warrant for the arrest of Russian President Putin and the Children's Rights Commissioner in his office over abducting children amid the invasion of Ukraine. The court says they are responsible for the war crimes of unlawful deportation of children and the unlawful transfer of children from occupied Ukraine to Russia. CBS's Pamela Falk. U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken told the U.N. Security Council how accountability matters. Day after day of Russia's atrocities, it's easy to become numb to the horror. But we can never let the crimes Russia's committing become our new normal. Bombing schools and hospitals and apartment buildings to rubble is not normal. Stealing Ukrainian children from their families and giving them to people in Russia is not normal. We must continue to document Russia's war crimes and crimes against humanity and share this evidence with investigators and prosecutors so that one day 
the perpetrators can be held accountable. Akila Radhakrishnan, president of the Global Justice Center, explained how significant the move is. There's no question that international justice is a long game. And while Russia will not cooperate with the ICC at present, there's still significant value in the step from the ICC prosecutor Khan. Even states that don't belong to the court, like the United States, have helped to identify perpetrators and surrender them to the court. An arrest warrant is a direct signal to perpetrators. For example, it took 16 years for Ratko Mladic to be arrested by the International Criminal Tribunal for the former Yugoslavia. But once arrested, he was tried and jailed for life. Leila Sadat, a professor of international criminal law at Washington University who served as a special advisor on crimes against humanity to the ICC prosecutors since 2012, talked about what it means to possibly try Russian President Vladimir Putin. The ICC can issue arrest warrants in absentia. There is no immunity before the ICC over the nationals of non-states parties, even the highest officials of those states. Professor Alex Whiting of Harvard Law School was also an advisor to the ICC prosecutor. The issuance of arrest warrants is a first step to achieving accountability for war crimes. Many of the defendants tried for war crimes at international tribunals never thought that they would face justice when they were charged. And suddenly, the accused persons find themselves in a courtroom. Pamela Fox, CBS News, United Nations. The FBI is offering a $20,000 reward for information leading to the physical location of an American woman kidnapped from her home in Mexico more than a month ago. There was never any sort of threats. There was never any enemies, anything that would indicate that she was in any kind of trouble. Zonia Lopez and her brother Tony are puzzled as to how and why their mother went missing. 63-year-old Maria del Carmen Lopez is an American and has been living in Pueblo Nuevo in Colima, Mexico for the last nine years. The small town is just 120 miles south of Guadalajara. FBI investigators believe the mother of seven was kidnapped on February 9th from her home. Someone did see there was a car that drove into the property and there was an exchange of words. Um, They did hear her say that she would not get into the car. Lopez's daughter says that witness was a cousin who reportedly saw four to five strange men near her home at the time of her disappearance. And two individuals picked her up and another one came out of the van. It was a, and they, they had their heads covered and they covered her mouth and And that's when they took her. Lopez is retired and loves to cook and garden. Her family says she has no ties to gangs or any criminal activity. They believe she may have been targeted in a crime of opportunity. I don't think it was isolated. I mean, to end up at a town that's so far, so remote from the city, you really had to kind of had to be indicated, go there. So we're doing everything we can still. We're not going to give up. We're not going to give up on, on my mom. We're going to find her one way or another. The FBI's L.A. field office is now offering a $20,000 reward for information leading to the woman's whereabouts. A spokesperson could not comment on the specifics of the case, but said so far no arrests have been made and that they're hoping someone with information will come forward. The woman's family is devastated, but said they're not giving up until they bring their mother home. We don't care about you guys. Give us back my mom. The FBI is being tight-lipped about the case since the suspects are still at large, but a spokesperson said they are working with Mexican authorities on the case. That's KCBS-TV's Candace Crone. Turning now to France, where protests are ongoing against pension reforms and unions are vowing to continue their fight. CBS's Elaine Cobb. French workers are back on the streets after the government forced through unpopular pension reforms. They will see the retirement age raised from 62 to 64, still young by European standards. But what angered people most was the way the government pushed the reforms through Parliament without a final vote. Opposition lawmakers booed and jeered as Prime Minister Elizabeth Bourne told the National Assembly Thursday she was invoking special constitutional powers to force the bill through, as it became clear the minority government did not have the support to win the planned vote. 
They sang the national anthem to drown her out as she told them, we cannot gamble on the future of our pensions. This reform is necessary. President Emmanuel Macron says his reforms are needed to ensure today's young people have a pension when they retire. But they are unhappy they'll have to work longer before they can get it. There have been nationwide strikes and protests since January. Repeated strike days have caused transport chaos, closed schools and hurt trade as ports and oil refineries were blockaded. In Paris, garbage collectors have been on strike for two weeks and piles of trash are heaped up around the city. As night fell Thursday, some protesters lost no time setting them on fire. Opposition politicians are now trying to plan what to do next, but the unions have already decided they've called for more strikes and protests across the country and say they won't stop until the plan is scrapped altogether. Elaine Cobb, CBS News, Paris. Thousands of spring breakers heading to Florida are about to run into an algae bloom known as a red tide, already killing fish and leaving a smelly mess. On top of that, a massive blob of seaweed wider than the U.S. is drifting across the Atlantic right now, and it could wash ashore soon along beaches in Florida, the Caribbean, and Mexico. While it is a naturally occurring algae, this team from the water school at Florida Gulf Coast University is looking into whether pollution is making the blooms worse. It's probably been the worst over the past two weeks. Mike Parsons is a professor here. We've had bad red tides in the past, but the big concern is now that our coastlines are more developed and there's a lot more people in Florida than there used to be, how are we affecting water quality and how is that affecting red tide? And what do we think? There is evidence that we are influencing red tide. So pollution may be aggravating the problem. It may be aggravating the problem. It definitely is not the cause of the problem, but it may be aggravating the problem. CBS's Manuel Bajorquez tells us scientists say you don't want to breathe the gas from the seaweed, and if you see dead fish and your eyes are watering, stay out of the water. Coming up in the Kaleidoscope, CBS's Michelle Miller discusses her new book, Belonging, and her journey for truth. Part of my belonging is understanding what I come from. That's next on the CBS News Weekend Roundup. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. On the CBS News Weekend Roundup. Welcome to the Kaleidoscope with Allison Keys segment where every week we discuss issues including the unhoused. This week we're talking race, family, and a journey. CBS Saturday Morning co-host Michelle Miller is out with a new book called Belonging that traces her quest to understand who she is and reconcile her feelings about her Latina mother who abandoned her. She explains how she and her dad came to discuss her mom. He overheard me answer a question uh, that another child had asked me, and I think I was about six, maybe seven or eight, um, and he he was shocked at how I reacted because I said, I don't have a mother. I didn't say my mother was dead. I don't know my mother. I didn't say my mother left us. So I said, I don't have a mother, which was pretty true in, you know, through my logic. But I think that he was just stricken by that. And he, he called me over or he, at some point after the party or wherever I was, and he, he made it a point to look at me and say, I want you to understand something. You do have a mother. She's just not here. And I, I didn't understand the need for him to make that distinction. And I was a little mad at him because I was like, well, if, if I don't have a mother, where is she? Right. And so he never gave me full threads of information. I think he said she's, I, well, There are stories that fill in the blanks of the who, the why throughout this book. And what's so interesting is how your family sometimes doesn't give you or don't, they don't feel free to give you the full story all at once. And so there's an, there's a discovery in this journey of belonging 
that comes not in one fell swoop, but but through my entire life. That and it's what's so interesting about it is it's sort of how I go about writing the stories I write and um, uncovering the truths of of the journalism that that I do in my profession. But um, but yes, the, and there it is. That the the fact that my father could never tell me even his side of the love story. I don't know. I I wonder if it was if it was because it was painful for him or because he felt it was going to be too complicated. Uh, it was a complicated story. I mean, he was a married man, and the racial factor was uh, very much. Uh, one of the reasons why they would they could not be together by her choice but um but i i don't that's that's like an unanswered question why my father never told me the story never told me his side of the story and i'm only now i i uncovered my mother's story and she wasn't part of my life and so I, I'm, you know, it's actually a realization I'm coming to sitting here, having this conversation with you that, that, that I don't know the love story or the story of my being from my father's side. All he would tell me was, and he'd always say it in the third person, your mother and father fell in love. They had you. And then your mother couldn't be with us anymore. Wow. Which sounds like the title of a Lifetime movie, right? Right. You know, right. And I'm curious, because you've talked about how you were growing up and you were watching other children who you imagined have mothers greeting them at the door, right? How much do you think this book is going to resonate with people who grew up with a similar experience where, you know, there's parts of their upbringing that were, in these days' terms, messy, right? You don't know who's related to who or how that happened. Do you think that's going to make them feel better about themselves? Well, I think they'll feel acknowledged. And already the conversations I've had with people about the book have really stirred emotion and memory for them in every gathering that that I've been in, in which we talk about this book. There have been, been at least two people who've come up to me and say, and have said, your story is my story. So, so what's so incredible about this is that there's always a connection made. So I was at a book party recently and I stared into these familiar eyes and the person stared back at me and said, do you remember me? And it all came back. This was my distant cousin who I lost touch with, who was the person who found my mother for me. He was the detective who found her and he never knew. He doesn't remember it. And yet I told him without you, I could have never found her. And therefore this book would never have been written. And then too, another woman at the same party came up to me and told me, I used to babysit for your father. Wow. And so, so much of what she talked about, like there, there are mysteries and there's still mysteries that I'm hoping to uncover. One of them is the long lost daughter that was given back. And I will, I will just say that. And she asked me, do you know what happened to Adrian? And I said, no. And everything I wrote in the book, because there are people who have passed on. But when I write about that episode, um, the the get the information I gathered from third parties w- was so spot on about my father's first wife that it just it just calmed me in a way because I don't like I wanted her depiction to be truthful. You know, we talk talk about you know the the mean and evil stepmothers of right. you know lore. But when when she was described by other people and then this person at this party I met, it she was spot on with the with the depiction. And so I I there's so many 
there's so many people in the book who are complicated or naughty or do awful things, but hopefully I don't demonize them. You get a sense of their lack of belonging and why they're insecure and you understand them a little bit better. But I I think about it through the lens of, you know, people are complicated and, and my life was complicated and, and maneuvering through it was complicated. But when I look back on it, there are so many gifts that were given to me. And I want people to understand that, you know, the gifts of life aren't necessarily neat and tidy. The gifts of, of, of your, of your journey are oftentimes uh, messy and you learn from them and you can be okay. You can move through them. You can become whatever you want to. Um, just knowing that you can lean in on who you are and then making sure that you create a wonderful family and 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 friendships throughout your life because those will make you that those will get you through. I've got to jump in here for those who haven't yet read the book and explained that Adrian is the sister who your father's first wife gave away upon discovering your existence, which is You say it so much better than I did. I can't even imagine that. But I also have to say, for those who haven't yet read your book, talk to me a little bit about your mother, your mother who basically left when you were born. You did finally meet up with her later, but what has that been like? And are you still not in touch with her again these days? So much of what... Uh, this journey is is uh, me coming to terms with the relationship that I would end up having with my mother. And that is sort of the 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 I don't want to give away um, that part of the book, but what I will say is I found my mother, a a woman who was described and is a beautiful, a uh, Latinx woman who uh, was going through her own um, self-discovery when she met my father, who was extremely proud of her Mexican heritage. Um, and yet the complication of her family and what they aspired to be in a 1960s um, Los Angeles of that time did not jive with uh, her being involved with an African-American man, let alone, and um, uh, I mean, forget the fact that my father was married, um, but just the idea that when they discovered that she was dating a black man, they told her that she would be in- disinherited. They would, she, it was either him or them. And, um, and so I think about that. And so my, my understanding of that was pretty clear. I mean, that's an awful choice to make. And I understood why she made it. I never held any anger or resentment for her for making that choice. It was 30 years later that after having my own child, did I sense this anger in me with her inability to recognize and acknowledge that she had me. And it was it was only then that 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 this sense of well, your mother and father and your husband are now dead. You, why can't you acknowledge that this happened? It's and it's that that need for my being acknowledged as a person, as as your daughter, that really drove me. Um, and you know, I know many people like me don't ever get the answer that they want. And so what do you do with that? What do you do with the fact that, you know, one side of your DNA just does not want to acknowledge who you are to them? It's an awful feeling. And yet I am a joyous person, an optimistic, an optimistic person, a person who believes in all the gifts life has to offer. And I want other people to move beyond that grief, that anger. And I hope this book helps them in that way. 
Speaking of you being a joyous person, which you are, for all the single ladies out there, I have to ask you <laughs> about your all husband's the proposal. Ladies. All the single ladies. <laughs> Cause that is a master class. Just tell us a little bit about how that happened. I cannot I I cannot take all the credit for that. It was my mother in law who gave me the gift that I I to this day uh acknowledge as being the secret sauce. And essentially, I was dating this incredible man. His name is Mark Morial, and he was a very high profile um, uh, individual in the city of New Orleans. He was the mayor. um, And I had been dating him for about three years. And as you might imagine, there was a lot that um, that, you know, was riding, um, you know, that, that, that was riding on that. Like, would I get married to this man? How would it impact my career? You know, what if we broke up? What would I do then? I would certainly have to leave town. And so as he was caught up in his reelection, um, I went to his mother and I asked him, I said, you know, what do you think? And she said, well, I know my son loves you, but I don't understand what his hesitation is. And um, so she said, why don't you go and find yourself a job in another city? (laughs) And I said, really? She said, yes. And so I did just that. I did what a good daughter-in-law would do, listen to her mother-in-law. And I got a job in Cleveland, Ohio. It was a great job. In fact, you know, I hit the jackpot. So I went back to New Orleans and told my husband, and you would have thought I told, I stuck a dagger in his heart. And he was just so completely surprised. And quite, quite honestly, I don't think he was expecting it at all. Um, that that he just, I think it took him three days, but he finally kind of came to his senses and realized that either I was going to accept this job and be out of his life, or um, he needed to, to to get down on his knees and and beg me to stay. And that's what ended up happening. <laughs> Ladies, now, are you listening? Can I just say this? It took him another eight months to get put a ring on it. But, dun 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 um, dun. The fact, and my girlfriend Philippa said, Michelle, I cannot believe you gave up that job without having a ring on your finger. But I guess I just have faith in him and faith that, you know, he was a man of his word, but, um, and, and we were married and we were married on September 11th, 1999. That's CBS Saturday morning co-host Michelle Miller talking about her new book, Belonging. Hear an extended version of this interview on the CBS News Roundup podcast. Coming up, the hottest lunar fashions. That's next on the CBS News Weekend Roundup. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. On the CBS News Weekend Roundup. I'm Allison Keyes. Talk about fashion for the stars, or should we say among them. This week, NASA unveiled the design of the new spacesuit that will be worn in the Artemis III mission. In 2025, the next man and first woman will set foot on the moon. CBS's Mark Strassman. It's got to be one of the most proud moments of my life, I guarantee you. Spacesuits. To go back to the moon, NASA's closet needed a refresh. That is the most beautiful sight. In space, to dress for success is a matter of survival. How hard is this? Uh, very. <laughs> it, is, it is very, very challenging. The glove bladders is kind of the inner layer. Russell Ralston works for Axiom Space. Last September, NASA hired the Houston Aerospace Company to build a new spacesuit for the first Artemis moon landing mission to the lunar south pole. Shadowed craters are home to some of the coldest temperatures in the solar system, almost 400 degrees 
below zero. Going into a permanently shaded region on the moon is it's something that's never been done before uh, by anything. NASA spent 15 years developing its own next-generation moon suit before outsourcing the project to Axiom. The company adapted more than half of NASA's design. Inevitably, we'll tweak a couple things, but in large part, that, that's, that's pretty much the suit. With one notable cosmetic difference, the color. The outer layer will be white, made of mylar and Kevlar. So the actual flight suit will look more, more like this. What about this suit would make Neil and Buzz and the, the Apollo guys jealous? Oh, probably everything. <laughs> I think this suit is going to have a, a, a huge leap forward in terms of mobility. Oh, the Apollo suits were bulky, inflexible. Moonwalking astronauts often fell. Getting back up looked like slapstick. It was hard work, yeah. Charlie Duke was the 10th man to walk on the moon. He remembers even the simplest of tasks, like picking up a hammer was a struggle. Working against that suit was uh, demanding, squeezing the gloves and moving the arms and trying to bend over, and uh, so it was exhausting. This suit will be much easier to walk in or to do, the, to do a lot of the same tasks that they did back in Apollo and more, um, but to do it in a, a little bit easier way. Axiom engineer Russell Kelly slipped into the suit to show us how flexible it can be. It's a top-to-bottom redesign. The helmet's greater visibility, and these boots were made for moonwalking, thermally insulated for the moon's south pole. Can you hit a golf ball in the suit? I hope so. I think you can. <laughs> and until now, no spacesuit was ever designed to fit a woman. Oh, I think it looks really cool. I Peggy Whitson the, the is director of human spaceflight at Axiom. I'm heading back to the pole. Copy, Peggy. You're the former NASA astronaut has spent more time in space than any American and completed 10 spacewalks wearing suits now more than four decades old. In some of them, I couldn't even get my hands together. That makes it hard to do a lot of detailed and delicate tasks. Just to have a suit that fits. Oh, it's huge. This 21st century spacesuit is made with 21st century technology. Laser cutters precisely slice different fabrics. These 3D printers build components, saving time and money. But some parts are still assembled the old-fashioned way. In Axiom's sewing room, we met Zach Paw. His resume includes the Houston Ballet and Cirque du Soleil. His new challenge? Space gloves. There is definitely an added sense of responsibility with space work. This is more exacting? This is more exacting. Yeah, exactly. Axiom suit prototypes will eventually be tested here at NASA's Neutral Buoyancy Laboratory. Part of the 40-foot deep pool now simulates a South Pole lunar landscape. We can mimic um, partial gravity. NASA's Laura Kearney oversees the program and will make sure Axiom is meeting requirements. It's going to give us a really great indication of how mobile the suit is. And again, what kind of fatigue, if anything, the crew members are going to feel after working for six or seven hours. Making a suit for an astronaut is no ordinary trip to a tailor. And Axiom knows the stakes. I go to church with astronauts. We see them when we're getting groceries. We, we know their kids. The product you're making, their life is going to depend on that. So it's something we take extremely seriously. The moon seems closer than ever, and this new suit is a big step. Mark Strassman, CBS News, in Houston. Finally, history of all sorts was made at this year's Academy Awards. CBS's Steve Futterman. It was a night that had everything. And the Oscar goes to everything, everywhere, all at once. Everything Everywhere All at Once dominated the Oscars. It won the top award, Best Picture. It won three of the four acting awards, and it won the most awards. Not quite everything, but at times it seemed that way. Its lead performer, Michelle Yeoh, became the first Asian to win Best Lead Actress. For all the little boys and girls who look like me watching tonight, <laughs> this is a beacon of hope and possibilities. This is proof that dreams dream big and dreams 
do come true. Kiwi Kwan, who thought his career was over, won Best Supporting Actor. He also talked about hope. Dreams are something you have to believe in. I almost gave up on mine. To all of you out there, please keep your dreams alive. Jamie Lee Curtis won Best Supporting Actress. To all of the people who have supported the genre movies that I have made for all these years, the thousands and hundreds of thousands of people, we just won an Oscar together! The only non-everything-everywhere performer to win was Brendan Fraser, best lead actor for The Whale. I'm grateful to Darren Aronofsky for throwing me a creative lifeline and hauling me aboard the good ship The Whale. The Oscar for Best Documentary went to Navalny, which tells the story of imprisoned Russian opposition leader Alexei Navalny. His wife Yulia helped accept the award and addressed her husband. Alexei, I'm dreaming the day when... You will be free, and our country will be free. Stay strong, my love. Thank you. Steve Futterman, CBS News at the Academy Awards in Hollywood. Ruth E. Carter also made history, becoming the first black woman to win a second Oscar. Thank you to the Academy for recognizing the superhero that is a black woman. She loves, she overcomes. Carter won Best Costume Design for Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. That's it for the Weekend Roundup. Thanks for listening. Send us your thoughts and story ideas to Weekend Roundup at cbsnews.com. As always, you can find the program online on Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcast. Sarah Fishman is the technical supervisor, and Alan Peng provides production assistance. Tara Lipinski is the executive producer. Have a great week. I'm Allison Keyes, CBS News. If you like CBS News Roundup, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at Wondery.com survey. Nancy's love story could have been ripped right out of the pages of one of her own novels. She was a romance mystery writer who happens to be married to a chef. But this story didn't end with a happily ever after. When I stepped into the kitchen, I could see that Chef Brophy was on the ground and I heard somebody say, call 911. As writers, we'd written our share of murder mysteries. So when suspicion turned to Dan's wife, Nancy, we weren't that surprised. The first person they look at would be the spouse. We understand that's usually the way they do it. But we began to wonder, Had Nancy gotten so wrapped up in her own novels... There are murders in all of the books. ...that she was playing them out in real life? You can listen to Happily Never After, Dan and Nancy, early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Catch every episode of 60 Minutes, America's most-watched news magazine show, as a podcast. Hear in-depth investigations across politics, news, and entertainment on your schedule. Listen to 60 Minutes ad-free on Wondery Plus.